It's another episode of Zone of Truth, a glimpse behind the curtain of making pot rod. Grab your cups, settle in, because we're bringing the tea. Hello. Hi, peoples. If you're still listening, guess what time it is. Natasha, tell them. It's Zone of Truth time. Duh. Ooh. Zone of Truth for episode six. And we have some questions. Who do you want to go first? Me or you? Oh, let's see. Um, I don't know. Do you want to like back and forth it like a weird tennis match? Sure. Why not? I like that. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't care who goes first. Okay. Um, I'll go first then. This will be okay. an icebreaker that'll make you cry. Why all the f- dumb fucking names in Upper Beavertown? <laughs> That's a good question. So <laughs> when I made Upper Beavertown, I got to the point of, okay, what businesses are there? And I realized that there's going to be just a ton and I didn't know what to call them. And I didn't want to fall into the same trope that I had sort of fallen into with Low Beavertown, where literally all of the names were alliterations didn't realize it till like right before we were going to record. And I was like, yeah. oh no, all of the towns, like, or not all of the towns. Oh my goodness. All of the, all of the buildings, all of the businesses are alliterations. And that's, you can, you can get away with that in a low beaver town. You could not get away with that in a bigger area. So then I was trying to figure out what sort of names to use. I honestly can't remember which one I used, but I used an AI for um, kind of making a brand name and logo. And it had you put in like some keywords about your business. So I just put in stuff about probably Upper Beavertown and maybe some other things in there, but not very much because I didn't have a ton of information to give it because we hadn't been there yet. Didn't really know anything about it. Right. So then the AI just spit out a, ton of names and there were so many that were just one word and it was a made-up word and it was foofy and i started writing down ones i liked in a list and i was like okay i'm realizing that upper beaver town is probably too big for me to spend a lot of time going in Mm -hmm. on it low beaver town was small enough where i could or i could be like there's like three total businesses i can (laughs) i can figure some stuff out about low beaver town Upper Beaver Town. I'm like, no, if I want it to be a whole resort sort of spa town, which was my intention, then there's no way I could figure out all of the businesses in there. So then I just came to the episode with a list of names and and then either just went down and found one I liked or rolled on it to see if that was the name. And that's how we got all of the really stupid names. Well, I want to set fire to the town. It would catch really quickly. It's made of logs. Yes. Yes, it would. Mm -hmm. Then my first question is Rose statues. Did you always have a plan for there to be a famous artist who made them? Or was that sort of an on the fly thing? Did you have like a bunch of backstory for the statues already? Or were you just coming up with it on the spot? 
just coming up with it on the spot because it was, uh, well, he's wealthy, he's not smart, doesn't understand how money works, but he knows gold is valuable, so he would have took that. So when mm-hmm. he asked how many he had left is when I rolled to see how many he had left, and that ended up being eight because I did like a die 12 because I was like, well, let's see what happens because um, mm-hmm. he would have grabbed all the ones he could possibly get without no one noticing. And it makes sense because his mother is rich and, you know, they probably collect lots of crap because she probably just is a hoarder of all these things that are basically worthless to them. Mm -hmm. Um, As for the backstory, I didn't plan on it going any further than like he had gold statues. But then I needed a reason why he had those gold statues. It would make sense if his mother commissioned Roland Mouse Trio to make like, what, uh, eight, nine, ten. 11 of them for his birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why 11. Um, <laughs> maybe that's we, just how many he decided I'm done. I'm not making anymore. Maybe um, it's your mom's favorite number. <laughs> probably. Maybe. Uh, so yeah. Oh, to, look in, to, please look into some numerology shit. I know that. No, don't look into numerology. Cause I think whenever it's a double digit numerology, you add them together. So 11 would just be a two. Um, I think what does, 11 mean in numerology intuition sensitivity wisdom and spirituality it is also a a powerful number both mentally and physically because it's two ones pow pow yep what pow pow (laughs) um yeah so it actually evolved pretty fun i wasn't expecting to have a name for the creator i was just be like well you know this is this. This is a fancy made one of a kind piece. And you can tell because of this and this, because my mom probably talked about it ad nauseum all mm-hmm. the time because she's about the collecting, not about, you know, what its actual value is. Right. I do think at some point we should make an NPC for Roland Mouse Trio. Is it too on the nose if we make him a mouse folk? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> because. <laughs> My naming in that moment was a little bit of a brain freeze, but <laughs> Roland Mouse Trio is what we got. So That's, I love it. Yeah, I kind of want him to to be a mouse. <laughs> I that feel would like, be funny. <laughs> I feel like I've done some interesting things with NPCs. <laughs> you have, and I love your NPCs. <laughs> Speaking of NPCs, how did you come up with three goblins in a robe, and do they have names? Oh my I'm sure God. everyone's wondering that burning question. I I don't have names for them. I could. I could definitely. I might. I might because it would be fun to learn more about the those little gobos. I it agree. Honestly, was just rolling the dice with the oracle when I was trying to figure out what kind of a person owned that shop. Mm-hmm. Less for descriptive purposes, more so like how I would know maybe if I could get a mental image, I would kind of know an attitude or a a way to try and voice them. Not that my voicing is great and I'm not pretending it is. Thank you That's all for going I along on this journey. NPCs because the voices are amazing. It, you dialed it up to 11 <laughs> in this episode. I It was all over the place a little bit like i don't think any of the goblins had a very specific specific voice like <laughs> they all just sort of had very weird voices whatever right. but i when i was rolling to find out what sort of 
creature it was. It wasn't a human. It wasn't this. And then it came up with a goblin. And I was like, okay, goblin. And then I had the thought of, oh, Upper Beavertown is probably snooty as hell, right? Mm -hmm. Do they like goblins? Would they accept a goblin owning a shop like this? And so then in a split second, is it three goblins in a trench coat? Roll. The dice said yes. And (laughs) that's how we got three goblins in a robe running a pawn shop in a hoity-toity town. I very much enjoyed them. It also was interesting to narrate because the whole area when the one tumbles off the top and Mm -hmm. goes and locks the door was very visual in my head. Me too! (laughs) As I was describing it, I'm like... I see it 100%. (laughs) He just tumbles off the top, one books it to the back, one is holding the statue, and the guy drowning in a robe is up front locking the door. And that I enjoyed that. (laughs) I did too. That's why I was like, do they have names? I really feel that we need to do a special episode. Like a weird NPC episode? Yes. Oh, I've got so many of them. (laughs) I feel like the day when my NPCs are just a person, just some human guy named Bob, it's going to be kind of a sad event. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, They've all been pretty colorful so far. But while we were at St. James, and we were trying to figure out if the goblins in a robe would buy our statues, I did give you an option to give some juicy details real or made up, to the goblins to make them more tempted to buy the statues. Were you at all considering going for it, or did you just bruise on past? Um, I think in the moment I was at Rose's stance, and after, you know, they did their whole, like, I was distrustful of them. And at that point, it was more along the lines of, well, if they're peddling this crap that's not selling they probably won't get us a good deal gotcha fair and i wanted to get lou the maximum amount of (laughs) maximum amount of money because she deserves it oh that's so sweet lou is not used to money so she wouldn't know what to do with it (laughs) right right i i figured she deserved it for helping me out and that's why I was like, I need to get as much as I can. And at that point, I was like, if they have all this crap, they're probably not selling anything. Plus, if they're three goblins, they're probably not savvy businessmen. Right. I did have a part towards the end where they were upset at everything that had gone down. So they went to go break stuff in the back. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird part that I put in. And then listening back to the episode, I was like, well, that's a really fun visual that they have a whole china shop, basically, and they just go in the back and break a bunch of shit. Probably yep. very expensive shit, or maybe it's useless. Who knows? But they must break an awful lot compared to what they sell. Now, next question connected to them. Sam. What? Spoilers. So your third question is out the window, buddy. No, I look so hard. <laughs> okay, I got, yeah. I got, I got one. Yeah. <clears throat> Hang on. 
BRB. Okay. This is the lovely part of the episode where Sam is running to possibly let in a pizza man. Unsure. And I'm sitting here just waiting. Friday is pizza night and I set it for 7.30 and they were a half hour early. <laughs> oh. You know what's fun? What? If you listen back to this later on, I said this is the part of the podcast where Sam goes to let in the pizza man, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so my new question, because apparently I like to spoil things, mm-hmm. um, is... That Lou in the shop, like, to touch everything. What exactly was she touching and looking at? And was it purposeful? Or she's like, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. Ooh, shiny. Truthfully, having Lou wandering around looking at shit was just a plot device so I could be the shopkeeper and not be Lou for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I figured if Lou was kind of wandering around and not asking questions... But wandering, she probably would be touching stuff. Maybe not a lot, but picking it up, seeing if there's a price tag, putting it back down, that sort of a thing. And I didn't want to basically ignore her in the scene completely because she was still there. But I did kind of want to have a way of being like, Lou is here, but she is doing her own shit and we don't have to worry about her for a minute. Um, right. For our listeners, though, mm-hmm. paint the visual. The visual. Lou was standing in front of shelves, just a, a ton of glass shelves. I don't know if any of you have ever been in like a Hallmark store where I think all of their shelving units are like a clear plastic. I think that store, Aquasana is very much like that except the the shelves are all glass and they all have fragile stuff on them so literally just a slight wrong bump anywhere is gonna make things start to break is going to whatever Uh, lou is not a delicate flower of a lady so i think that's probably why the shopkeep was a bit nervous about her just sort of wandering around touching stuff probably you know what She was picking up some, like, porcelain statues, fragile, glass shelves, fragile, turning it, looking at it, looking at the bottom, setting it back down, setting it back down too hard, where both could have broken. So I was getting the feeling that the shopkeep at Aquasana was just being a rude bimbo. That's fair. I mean, that's basically all I I gave you in the moment. Uh, was her just saying, hey, can your friend who we haven't really acknowledged at this point stop touching shit? Yeah, but Rude Bimbo also fits the general theme of Upper Beaver Town, so I wasn't too uh, upset at that thought. So that's uh, that's what was going on with Lou in the, in the consignment shop. And nice. Going back to St. James, because more fun stuff happened there. I mean, don't get me wrong. We could talk a little bit about Rose's flirtation with the shopkeep, but I think that's more an out of I necessity to flirt thing. With her. Yeah, it was like, give me more money if I flirt with you and I'm nice because mm-hmm. I look clean. 
mm-hmm. and well-to-do. Uh, but what did she knock over in St. James and why didn't it break? <laughs> uh, it didn't break because the dice told me it didn't. <laughs> but I think what she picked up was in my head, it's something gold, but why would she have picked that up? It, it wouldn't break. And she would know that she's not super stupid. She's just, I was envisioning her walking past one of those giant, like, Ming vases, but her size, and she was mm-hmm. so pissed she like threw it on the ground. But because it's such a shitty place, it's not glass or porcelain, it's like plastic. So it'd be boom, boom. It could have. I think it actually was something that could have broken, but I think it's one of those things that looks like it's porcelain, but it's really. Mm-hmm much more solid of a material like through and through. So okay. she didn't pick it up and drop it. She just brushed it off of a shelf. Gotcha. And it fell and it didn't, it didn't break. Let's just call it like a bust. <laughs> it was okay. a bust. She pushed it off and it didn't do anything. Role playing with the bust. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Outside of St. James, we see an interesting side to row. People don't say no to me. Is Karenism a foundation of Roe as a character, or was it just a an angry reaction? An angry reaction. More like, okay, like I tried to do business with you. I tried to look past, you know, your your lies mm-hmm. to sell something. And yet you still didn't want to take it. And if you didn't want to take it, even though I know it's worth a lot of money. After going to that consignment shop and how she drooled all over it. Um, it was just a angry reaction that set the foundation for episode seven. Interesting. Okay. Are there any other important things you want to talk about from mm-hmm. this episode? I don't think so. Is there anything that you would like to talk about this episode? I'm looking over my notes really quick and I don't think so. I think we touched on all of the all the stuff that I was mostly wanting to talk about. So I good, think we're good. good. Okay. Guess what? Chicken butt. <laughs> I added a thing and you're going to like it, whether you like it or not. Friends, foes, countrymen, join us for what's your favorite. This fun segment where we'll Royal die 20 and answer the age old question. What's your favorite? Natasha. Do the inaugural roll. <clears throat> All right. We are using the pink transparent dice. Uh, cheap acrylic because that's what most of my dice are. Ooh. Oh, hey, I was looking at Wild Tangent. I was looking at dice and there's mm-hmm. this place that sells dice, but they're color change dice and it goes from mm-hmm. white to pink. Nice. But it's the like clear acrylic, so it turns from like a opalescent color to a pink oh i've seen so many really beautiful dice things i have a problem dear listeners where i like to pick up random hobbies and it's been very difficult to not just throw my entire tax refund into trying to learn how to make resin dice so i think we should all just be thankful that i'm not doing that (laughs) for now for now what number that's, did you get? That's fair. I got lucky number 
And ironically, it is lucky for me, 13. Lucky 13. What's your favorite D&D NPC that you've encountered in a campaign? This is going to be struggles, any I think. Campaign. I'm trying to think. My immediate reaction would be Mervin, but he wasn't technically an NPC. Well, he was sort of an NPC, I guess. He was a companion. Mm, but, but he, he was also wasn't. But you made him, so. It's true. So Mervin would be the answer, but he doesn't qualify. No, he as does an not. NPC. So now I have to think about other NPCs we've encountered. Hold on, folks. It may take us a year because she's in like 9,000 games. Do, 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 I know. Do, 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 do. So I think. I don't know if this one's my favorite, but I have an answer for that one. Okay, how about top three? Also, I feel bad because I feel like I'm not going to remember some of the NPCs, and that's going to be upsetting. I feel like I'm also trying to diplomatically spread my NPCs around to some of the other games. People, she's in a D&D game with me as the DM. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I need to think of an NPC that he's made or else he may kill me. But also, I, the majority of the games I have played have been with you. So I just don't want all of my answers to be NPCs that, that you've done. <laughs> I know I'm starting to feel left out because you have a Monday game and I don't. Ha ha. You're like, Natasha doesn't want to be me to be a part of a cool kid club <laughs> i think i barely got into that cool kid club i just wore them down over time well how about if i go first yeah and maybe you'll be ready by then yeah yeah i've got two so far okay well uh it. my favorite npc because i've only been in one game for a million and a half years um, as a player, so far as our recent one that I did not like at all, but I love the fact that he was a dirty hippie. Jib Jabberly. Oh, Jib Jabberly. I also The dirty, sexy hippie with the broken arm with the problem of... Um, Arriving too soon. Yes, if you catch our drift. I play a very horny bard in that campaign, so... Yeah, you do. <laughs> Jib Jabberly is very fun. <laughs> Hopefully he continues to be fun because I believe my character has a little bit of a crush on him. So. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully that can continue to be good and not him turn out to be a, a real dill hole. Yeah. The fact that I just don't trust him. Everybody's shitting on Jib Jabberly really hard. And it's hard. First of all, to try to realistically <laughs> be like, ooh, Jib Jabberly. I like him. With a name like Jib Jabberly. And then on top of it, everybody else in the campaign is just shitting all over him. And I'm like, technically, he has said all of the right things to make my character like him a lot. Right, right. So we're like, when you sleep with him, look for any holes. Mm-hmm. Because our enemy we were looking for was shot with an arrow in the shoulder, and he was conveniently injured in the same arm yeah that's why our party distrusted him i do love the visual of from the distance the upper part of a hayloft glowing with um sexual (laughs) healing playing in the background oh that was magnificent (laughs) i am sure our dm 
dreads <laughs> dreads when we play and i'm just staring at him the whole time like who am i gonna flirt with ryan you don't know <laughs> i feel like he specifically gave me jib jabberly so you'd stop trying to sleep with everybody and make him make things up on the spot um you're like how sexy is the bartender uh very <laughs> ugly and he's married can i still seduce him can i give it a shot <laughs> <laughs> i'm open to a three-way mm-hmm I just, I this guy is annoying my friends. How does he look? <laughs> the ugliest man I've ever seen in my life. All right, I'm going to flirt with him. <laughs> and I'll distract him. Perfect. That's Reggie. <laughs> yep. Okay. That has gotten me very distracted. Oh, Reggie. Uh, You're welcome. Okay. So some of my favorite NPCs, I don't think these actually are necessarily my favorite but these are ones that are coming to mind. There's been a lot, but these are some fun ones. There is a character in our Monday game, an NPC, that I just changed my mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was I going saw the cogwheels move. People. Yep. <laughs> um, I was going to pick an NPC that was pretty much created to be my foil in the town that were both kind of monster races but we both are very like baked pies and whatever but if i'm completely honest i hate her <laughs> <laughs> it seems like her idea of what our friendship is is very bad so it's not her but i think my favorite npc in that game is actually carlson carlson is our neighbor's donkey and the reason I like him, and I'm classifying him as an NPC and not just a fucking donkey, is one of the players in that game is like a beast master ranger. And there we're in a very populous town, so there's not a lot of animals for her to pick to be her whatever it is, companion character, whatever it is, her to form her bond with. But we have this donkey, and she's very into giving all of the animals that she encounters and can speak to free will and letting them know that they don't have to just do what somebody forces them to do all of the time. So she has turned this donkey that helped us get a job done into a creature who now self identifies as Carlos and not Carlson and uh, likes to stomp grungs into the mud in a very bloody fashion and is enamored with the ranger who is really just using him as a placeholder until she can find a better animal. <laughs> so Carlos, I think Carlson Carlos is pretty great. He's probably my favorite NPC of that campaign so far, which sounds like a mean thing because I did create like six children to be my NPCs in that game, but I created them. So I don't think I can count them. Okay. Other ones I like are Gladys. Oh, I love Gladys. Yes. In our game where I'm the horny bard, Gladys is a sentient ring, basically, who has gotten a taste through my horny bard of um, getting getting her motor going again. Getting freak on. And that was funny to start with, but then I gave the ring to somebody else because its benefits were, were better for somebody else in the game. But then our DM decided that now that Gladys has a taste... For getting some booty, 
she gets real salty when she doesn't get it. And that's hilarious to me. <laughs> I also yes. dressed up as her on our Halloween game <laughs> because I didn't have an outfit like my actual character, but I did have an old woman wig that I could make work. <laughs> nice. And then my third favorite NPC is going to be from one of our games. See how it ranked third? I think mm-hmm. someone's character is going to die next session. No, you don't rank third. Yours was the first one I thought of. But I had to build the suspense and keep you guessing who I was going to pick. Liar! Uh-uh, it's calculated. <laughs> I can guarantee you aren't going to guess who it is. Yeah, I'm sure I won't. It is in Keeley, the God of Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> is it because he's like the Mad Hatter and yes. his blood tastes like cotton candy? Yes. I love Alice in Wonderland. I love the Mad Hatter. You made him absolutely insane. I was on an insane moment with him and it, I don't know, felt beautiful and wonderful and nobody else knew what the fuck to do. But I was like, okay, go along with the crazy shit. absolutely ah i didn't know you loved alice in wonderland so i'm guessing this next character story arc and miss dale is like (laughs) yeah we need to get there and we need to get there now yes so those i think are probably my top three i am sure there's a ton i'm not remembering i'm sure part of you is like oh the man you married not your favorite npc but yeah, the the NPC that you decided that you had the hots for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite NPC. He had he no was personality. Fun. He didn't have a lot of personality, but it also was kind of a right fit a little bit. I don't know. He made Zedra happy, even though he was boring to Natasha, if that makes sense. That's, all that matter, but he wouldn't rank in my favorites because he's just a dumb hot guy. Yeah, but also almost like too perfect. Mm-hmm. Except for the the one time he wasn't perfect, I could have killed him. <laughs> I could have killed them both so bad. Oh, I hated them so much <laughs> in that moment. He had a bit of a love triangle and didn't mm-hmm. tell either one of them <laughs> about it. Well, I <laughs> and then they found out. So they kind of played a joke on her like they were going to kill each other. Ladies and gentlemen, let me explain to you what this motherfucker (laughs) did to me, okay? So, first of all, I had a sort of fling with one guy. But things never really got off the ground, so to speak. It was very romancy and cute, but nothing really happened. And then this motherfucker has me walk through a door. And the next time I walk out the door, eight months have passed. I magically disappeared for eight months. To me, everyone who was close to me or whatever probably thought I was dead. And we were in the middle of a war that we weren't in when I walked into the door. (laughs) So going and trying to track someone down in the middle of a battlefield to say, Hey, I'm not dead. (laughs) Want to go on a date later? Was just not not feasible. (laughs) Meanwhile, Hunky McHunkerson is right next door taking care of refugee children. Come on, guys. <laughs> you know what's got to happen. And again, nothing really got off the ground with the other 
character. It was a slow burning romance. It was a slow burn. It, it was the yeah. slow burn that you put in your romance novels, and then it, it turns into a torrid like roll in the hayloft. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. We got to the point where there could have been a roll in the in the hayloft, and I decided it didn't feel right. So it just never happened. But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Enough about hot guy NPCs. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, enough, enough, enough. All I right. say. All right. Should we call an end? Or should we do one more roll? Oh, let's do another roll, Sam. All right. I'll do it this time. Mm-hmm. Reroll if I hit a 13. Oh, number one. What is your favorite D&D 5E class? Well, Sorcerer. That's all I ever seem to play. Why are Sorcerers your favorite? Well, I mean, I feel like um, you haven't played a lot of character characters so sorcerers have always been my favorite since uh dnd uh 3.5 when mm-hmm. they introduced them because they were like the x-men of the dnd world because they can do things other people can't like mm-hmm. wizards need to learn how to do the mathematical equation to figure out how to do this and need all the like stuff to do it but Mm-hmm. sorcerers come along and they're like hey look you know how it took you 20 minutes to make that fireball i can make one <sighs> mm-hmm. and i always thought it was cool because then it makes your character unique and special very true i feel like my answer is going to be a surprise to you I'm going based off of number of times i have used it alone the answer has to be druid for me oh that is a shock. I but know. You did multi-class Zedra into Druid. I did. I have a Bugbear Druid in a game right now. And I think I had another Druid somewhere in there. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm just thinking of those ones. But anyway, I feel like based on sheer number of times I keep coming back to druid as a possibility oh i know what it was i'm in the process of creating a character and i was trying to figure out how to subclass it and druid was a really high possibility it came down to um to either druid or wizard which one i was gonna do as the multi-class for that character so that's why i'm putting druid Druid would have made a lot of sense which is weird because i also have a weird like negative feeling about how how druids work but i just figure i will play them differently is it um for those who are interested i know that technically you can just say like nature is like your god and that's why it still is weird to me that druids get their no that they get their spells and like there's a long list of spells that they technically know but that nature guides them to or whatever. I understand it more when it's a cleric and the God basically tells you, these are the spells you have for the day that logistically makes more sense for me than feeling it through the earth or something. I, I don't exactly know in my head. I that saw I love a bird the today logistics. and the soil was moist. So I decided these were the spells that I need to pick. Right. But I figured if I have sort of an issue with that, then the better way to play it is to just pick spells that I will pretty much just always have and not switch them out every day. 
and save it for like bigger moments or only ever change one or two at a time and have a roster of mostly ones that I always have. And then I get around that on my own and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I like uh, Druids having, having some healing ability is really good, especially Mm -hmm. I'm, not a very religion-y person, so clerics feel difficult for me. Right. Well, every single like class has a subclass with healing. I think they should mm-hmm. update those a little bit more to make them more of a healer and not make it tied to divine because those backgrounds are always so stupid. Right. I don't <clears> necessarily like, I don't want love to play that a for a religious person, but thanks. I don't love that for paladins either. That that's kind of where. They get their powers from like a I god always, sort of thing, but I always understood it as it was like an oath of some mm-hmm. sort. Like they swore an oath, maybe to a god, maybe to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there was what was it? There was a story that someone was telling me about how a couple was married and that the wife was a warlock and the husband was a paladin, and it was their love that kept their magic growing. Because the paladin was the warlock's patron, and then the warlock or the paladin's oath was to the warlock. That's awful cute. That gave me a little like romance tingles. That makes it sound like, ooh, Natasha needs alone time. That's not what I mean. I mean, (laughs) like, I mean, like Hallmark movie. (laughs) Hallmark movie, but D&D. Yes. I've said Hallmark a lot in this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah you did. Hmm. Maybe somebody needs to go buy some tchotchkes. I don't got places for tchotchkes. Also, the tchotchkes I currently want are just little um, minis of Thanks. the characters I've had. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I told you. Do them and I'll make them. Mm-hmm. Or use. KK. All right. We'll wrap up this episode of Zot. Um. Make sure you listen to the end for all of our stuff, peoples. Yeah, and make sure you are, well, you don't have to, I guess. I feel like Zot is going to make a lot more sense to you if you're listening to the episodes that come out on Fridays. That's true. If you're not listening in that order, you're going to be so confused and spoiled. But at the same time, who doesn't want spoilers nowadays? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. You know, that's true. Like, there's a whole mm-hmm. subreddit devoted to spoilers, spoilers about everything. Mm-hmm. All right. We should let all of you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you have any questions that you're burning to know the answers to, send them to us at joinpartyof2 at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at joinpartyof2. That is the number two. Look for new episodes of Party of Two Roll of the Dice every Friday and Zone of Truth episodes on Tuesday. As always, thanks for listening. Bye! We love you! Mwah. Mwah.